Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? Jesus Christ, the saving one. God's still small voice can lead us to wisdom. In this episode, Pastor Andrew explores that call and more of the wonder of wisdom in God's creation. You would think that Elijah was a bit of a wimp, wouldn't you? God, you know, you can kill me now. <laughs> it's all over. It's finished. Jezebel's after me. I mean, he had just caught fire from heaven, defeated 400 prophets of Baal, had shattered Jezebel's support team. Jezebel, of course, was Ahab's queen who had brought the worship of Baal which is a no-no into Israelite life. And Elijah just basically shattered her controls and she was mad as anything and out to get him. And, and he runs for the hills. Gets tired, falls asleep. It's woken by the angel, given food twice as we heard. And then he gets to the mountain and don't you love it? What are you doing here, Elijah? Oh, goodness gracious me. What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And what comes out of this, this is why I love this passage, is that whisper, that small, still voice. It wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the fire, wasn't in the storm, wasn't in the wind. All the ways that we imagine... If God is going to speak, he will speak with a thunder. You know, he will speak loud. We would love God to make things really clear. Sometimes we would just love him to be that clear. Because you know, sometimes we miss the small, still voice. Or as the version we heard today, that whisper. I love the whisper bit, but the still, small voice, it's like a thought in the background of your mind that's not moving. It's not pushing. It's not shoving. It's not demanding. It's just there. And as Christian men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the voice we need to be listening to. Last Sunday, we touched on what I said was new territory, in a sense, for me. And I just blundered a bit when I got to Jesus. I'd been preparing this and just come across the revelation about wisdom and that about 11 o'clock on Saturday night. There wasn't a lot of time to flesh it out. And yet that still small voice said, you ought to look up that passage, which I didn't. And that's where I made the mistake. Since I've had some time to explore the thought, I want to confirm the thought that I had. We have all this wonderful stuff about wisdom in Proverbs and other parts of the Old Testament. 
And, of course, wisdom in the Hebrew is a feminine word, feminine gender. Every noun in Hebrew is either masculine or feminine. Every verb is either masculine or feminine. You don't have a choice, right? And the difficulty in our scholarly studies or what I sense in the midst of scholars, if a scholar goes to the Bible with his agenda or her agenda, he or she can find almost anything and explain it in whatever way he or she might want to do. Somehow or other we want God to be containable within our own parameters, within our own thoughts. And because the Jewish religion has been so masculine-orientated and the Christian religion following that for hundreds of years, to preach that, we want to somehow rather push masculinity and femininity back into God. So where does that leave us with the sort of context of what we're talking about? That there are two Hebrew words. One is God's spirit and the other is wisdom. But the problem that occurs in our reading from Proverbs 8 last week was wisdom who is building her house, so definitely feminine flowing through there, was created. And the difficulty is that theologians and scholars are wanting to push wisdom in the Old Testament into thoughts and concepts of Jesus and God. And God is not created. And the Son of God is not created. John really pulls this thing together and he declares this in his first chapter. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, do you know that you and I are begotten? Your mum gave birth to you with the help of dad. We are begotten of our parents. We are not begotten of God. God did not give birth to us. He gave birth to the eternal Son of the Father. The Son of God is begotten of the Father. Now, we are the children of God, but we are not begotten children. We are created beings. That puts us on a different plane. We are not divine in the sense that the Son of God is divine. And we're not divine in the sense that Jesus is divine. Even though Jesus has enabled us through his death on the cross to partake of the divine. So every time we come and take communion, we are partaking of the divine. It is the incarnate Son of God's 
body and blood that we partake. And as a matter how you see that process going on, it's a mystery to me, and I think it's a mystery to everybody else, by the way. We, at a very deep level, are given access to the divine. So Jesus didn't just come and save us from hell, if you want to take it that way, and some people do flow that way, and I don't want to unpack that. Because he did something else, which is far greater than just saving us from hell. He brought us into the relationship that they have with one another. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are brought into their communion. We are brought into their fellowship. We're brought into their presence in a way that we could not have done prior to Jesus prior to the Son of God becoming Jesus Christ through Mary. So it's really clear, and I didn't make this as clear last week as I should have, the begotten nature of the Son of God is an eternal thing that was there prior to the creation. Now, Proverbs 8 says that Wisdom is created. That puts wisdom in a totally different realm. And if I want to start comparing Jesus and wisdom in the Old Testament, I've got some problems. We can allow our theology and our approach to the Bible to stop us getting at the heart of something that is really important. And the comments I made last Sunday was that something has changed about wisdom when we move to the New Testament. Because Jesus has become our wisdom. And I knew the verse to go to, but I hadn't had the time last week to actually do any further reading. And you know, when you have a glimpse of something, you think, wow. It's always good to have somebody you trust confirm it. Lo and behold, good old Watchman Nee. Some of you would have heard of Watchman Nee. And Watchman Nee is not the scholar that the academics are, but has some very deep spiritual insights. And lo and behold, he pulls out 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, to talk about Jesus as wisdom. So I want to read a bit of that to you. He makes the point, he calls this article, Christ becoming our wisdom, which is the statement that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. But in the middle of this article, and we'll come to it, is the key of what I saw when I was looking at it last week. So let me read out some of this and then I'll point out that key. God has put men and women into Christ. So what Jimenez says is there's two things about this verse. God puts 
us into Christ. That's step one. And step two, he puts Christ into us. And if Christ is going to be our wisdom, we need both of those things to go on. So he says, God has put men and women into Christ. When the Lord Jesus was crucified upon the cross, God judged him, and men and women were also judged in him. Therefore, judgment is over as far as men and women are concerned. Therefore, judgment is over as far as men and women are concerned. This is the gospel. The gospel tells us that God has done something in Christ. It tells us that God has included us in Christ. When he dealt with Christ, he also dealt with us. So every time we have Good Friday and we come and recognise the cross, we don't always get the whole picture right that it wasn't just Jesus on the cross. When you look at the cross, you're on it. I'm on it. That's what That's what the Gospel says. That there on the cross... God put us as well, our judgment for our sin. He tells us that God included us in Christ. When he dealt with Christ, he also dealt with us. We have been dealt with by him already. We've faced the judgment already. We've addressed the punishment already. God has solved the problem of sin as well as the problem of ourselves. Thank the Lord that we died with Christ. This is why Romans 6.11 says, so also you reckon yourselves dead to sin but living to God in Christ Jesus. We are dead in Christ Jesus. What do we do after we hear such a fact? We are persons with a will. After we believe the fact, we should have some kind of expression. Therefore, we want to be baptised. After we believe in the Lord and are saved, What is the meaning of baptism? Being baptised in Christ Jesus is being in his death. In other words, God has put us into Christ, but we have to do something to show others that we are in Christ. Our baptism demonstrates to others the way we get into Christ. When we are baptised into the water, do we remain in the water? No. We come out of it quickly. Our coming out of the water signifies that we have been resurrected with Christ. 
whoever comes out of the water testifies that he or she has resurrected. Hence our baptism is a reenactment of that work that God accomplished for us in Christ. It is a performance to show others what God did for us in Christ. This is a spiritual performance. Now, how does it fit with us who were baptised as infants? When we were at Dubbo, a teenager came forward for salvation call. And I led her through a prayer of confession and acceptance of Jesus into her life and led her to Christ and did all that. She came back the next morning to see me and said, my dad told me that's what I had done when I was confirmed. So I didn't need to do it last night. And I said, yes, that's right. That's what confirmation is about. But you at that point may not have realised all the implications that that meant. So what you did last night in coming forward was to make real for you what you'd already done at confirmation. So what Watchman Lee is saying to us is that when we are baptised and we get a realisation that there on the cross is not only Jesus but me, then that realisation is the full understanding of what our baptism meant for us. Because you see, the Anglican baptism liturgy is almost saying word for word what Watchman Nee is saying here that we identify with the death of Jesus. Why do we do that? Because God put us on the cross with him. That's what Ochenne is trying to draw forth in the sense that God put us in Christ as the first step. So when Christ was on the cross, God put us in Christ and terminated the old man Adam. God had to terminate Adam. That account had to be settled and closed. We were men and women in Adam. And we could only be delivered from Adam through death. When we are joined to the death of Christ, we are delivered from Adam. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, Sin came into the world and sin came in us. This is the first aspect of God's work. The second aspect of God's work is to put Christ into us. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Jesus who became wisdom to us from God. God has put us into Christ. This is the first thing. The second thing is that God made Christ our wisdom. Neither of these two things can be done by us. 
We cannot get into Christ by ourselves. And we cannot put Christ into us. Both things can only be accomplished by God. Now, let's put this into some context. We, according to Paul in Ephesians 2, are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We are not saved by any works, any good things, any goodness that we might have, any good deeds that we might perform. We are saved simply and purely by faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, most Christians get that and accept that. And then the next thing they do is try and obey the law. Try and obey the Sermon on the Mount. So assuming that you've read the Sermon on the Mount, have you kept it all without fault? Or did you miss it once or twice? Something in there. And then you think, oh, now what do I do? But what we don't understand and what Paul unpacks in Galatians is not only are we saved by faith in Jesus Christ, we live the Christian life by faith in Jesus Christ. Because according to Paul, and I think he's got it right, the law cannot give you life. It's a custodian to tell you when you're getting it wrong, but it cannot help you get it right. It can tell you what is right. It can't help you do what is right. That's why we needed Jesus. Because God put the law on the cross with Jesus because the law couldn't do what it was supposed to do because it never had the power to do it. But when we accept Jesus Christ into our life, a new power comes. A power that enables us to do what the law expects in our hearts without any outward observance of it at all. So when Christ is in you and you are living by faith in Christ Jesus, you're fulfilling the law. And the only thing the law is going to tell you is when you might be getting it wrong. But it can't help you do it. So watch when he goes on about wisdom. Christ became wisdom to us from God. What does this mean? First, I would point out the proper punctuation for the second part of 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And I love it when someone as deeply spiritual as Watchman Nee and is not a scholar in the scholarly terms as sense starts talking Greek. Starts saying the Greek punctuation tells us something. And in this context, in this phrase, what it tells us is astounding. So he goes on to say, 
according to the original language, there should be a colon after the words, wisdom to us from God. Now, colon is the two dots, just in case you forgot that bit of grammar. This means that wisdom includes the following three things. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The old RSV Bible translated this verse, that Christ is our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But in a sense, I like this interpretation of the Greek. What it says is Christ has become our wisdom and he's not like lady wisdom. He's not like proverb wisdom in Proverbs 8. Because Proverbs wisdom can call us to wisdom but can't give it to us. Just as the law is unable to help us to obey it, wisdom herself is unable to help us follow her. Whereas when Christ is our wisdom, something through the presence of Christ and the Spirit of God in us enable us to receive righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Wisdom can't redeem us. Jesus Christ can. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in us to make us holy. And the righteousness is the righteousness that comes from living in Christ. So something as we hit the New Testament has shifted when it comes to wisdom. So yes, I am helped by all those sayings in Proverbs. It creates an awareness in me of things that I'm slipping on or haven't quite got centred right. And even though its words are just incredible, And its cry and its call is powerful. It is Jesus Christ that enables me to do it. That's why he came. God constructed wisdom before the rest of the creation, but it was a created construct. God created it for a purpose to do a certain job, And wisdom over the thousands of years, just like the law, just couldn't get our attention enough to transform us. Jesus Christ is a different level. And in Christ, God has put wisdom on a different level and our access to wisdom comes through Jesus Christ. The elements are similar. You grow in maturity and wisdom by obedience. And we grow in wisdom and maturity as Christians through Christ by obedience. That's what Jesus calls us to. These parables call us to obedience. 
And this time, not simply to obedience to God, but if you'll keep my words, he tells us. Well, why are his words important? Because he is God. And as God, died for our sins, died for our punishment, rose from the death, and brings into us, as we receive him into our lives, a new power to be holy, righteous, sanctified, redeemed men and women working in wisdom. So let us pray. Jesus, it is so easy to bypass you, not deliberately, but to bypass you when we think that we need to tune up, get things straight, get our lives in order, not realising that you are the way to tune up. Everything that you did on the cross and resurrection for us brings into us a power and a presence that enables us to be the very person that you called us to be. Help us to grasp this afresh, take a hold of it and run with it. And we ask this in your name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au